They'd known each other since the cradle, and had been engaged nearly that long. Their fathers had decided on the match. A duke's son, an earl's daughter, fortune to fortune. What could be more suitable? Galen had been raised knowing his duty, knowing Flory was his fate. He'd assumed she was as resigned. Obviously he'd been wrong. Again. Well, good riddance to the heartless harlot. She would have made a wretched mother to his children anyway, with her need to enjoy the newest gossip, the newest fashions, the newest flirtations. Why, staying home by the fireside of an evening was torture for Flory, and for anyone unfortunate enough to be sharing such quiet entertainment. Galen tried to recall if he'd ever seen her read anything besides a lady's magazine. He gazed around the book-filled room, thinking of all the hours he'd spent here, lost in the wonder of words. He raised his glass, his fourth or fifth, to the portrait of the elegant lady hanging over the mantel. Her grace had been gone for ten years, and Galen missed her still. His mother had been a governess before becoming a duchess, so she was wise in the ways of young females, and would have seen Florrie for a strumpet long since, and saved him from making such a fool of himself. Damn! But now he was weeping for his mamma like a homesick, runny-nosed schoolboy. His mother could not help him now. No one could. He was going to be grist for the gossip mills. So his heart was intact. So what? He'd never trust it to another woman. Cousin Harold would have to provide the heirs if the Nogcock could figure out how, and Galen would... what? He would not dare show his face outside this door. He couldn't go to White's or his other usual haunts, and he couldn't go abroad, not with the war on. The family had property in Jamaica, but Galen got seasick. He could rejoin his army unit, but that would likely send his father into apoplexy. Besides, word of Florrie's ignominious abandonment would reach Spain with the next dispatches, He'd rather put a bullet through his head and get it over with than fall victim to his fellow officer's merciless teasing. No, he would not give Florrie the satisfaction of knowing he was so distraught he'd done himself in. Besides, Galen Woodrow was not a coward. A few more glasses and he might even be brave enough to face his own valet. No one died of a broken heart. And no one died of embarrassment, the Viscount told himself. In a few days, some other scandal would arise, and his wedding-day debacle would be relegated to a footnote to the season. Oh, yes, he could hear the dowager's tongues clacking. That was the year Lady Floria left young Woodbridge at the church door, right before Lady Witherspoon married her butler and Lord Hammermill gambled away his wife's dowry. Besides, with the season soon ending, the Hootmond would be leaving town for their country properties or the seashore, They'd have better things to think about than Galen's ghastly affairs. Affairs! That was it! Amazing what brilliant ideas lurked in the bottom of a bottle. He'd cause a scandal, that's what! A major, epically proportioned scandal, one to make Florrie's defection seem like a schoolgirl's mischief. No one would pity him, and no one would wonder what he was so lacking that his bride chose a rake over a respectable marriage. His idea would work. Galen just knew it would. If he could get Mademoiselle Margot Montclair to cooperate. Miss Montclair was the current comet of the theatre world, the entre-act singer at Drury Lane. She was the daughter of Simone Montclair, 
a famous French chanteuse of the previous generation who'd run off to Italy with her lover. Gaynor didn't care who fathered the chit or who trained her to sing like a husky nightingale. He simply wanted Miss Montclair to help stir the scandal broth, of course. A whole page of the betting book at White's, nay, a whole chapter, was devoted to Mademoiselle Margot, to who would win her favours and how much blunt it would take. Perhaps the most beautiful woman in all of London, the willowy singer was certainly the most elusive. No one had yet to claim the title of her protector, although scores of admirers had offered and been refused. 